Welcome back to the Coaching Life Podcast. This is Pat Martin. I'm here with my my friend, Coach Chris Stewart. Coach, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, but you're not here with with me. Remember that. We've got to be, be pretty clear that we're we're practicing our we're doing our part in social distancing here. So, yeah, that's true. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of that. In, separate places again today yeah but we are here on the yeah we are here over the uh the digital airwaves together we're we're in fellowship right yeah you know i'm i uh i'm grateful that uh that you're my partner in this in this journey that we've we've went off on because i i think it would be easy right now to in in the the, the you know the situation that, that we're all living in here in the United States and actually a lot of places across the world just to kind of give up on some of these oh no doubt uh, hobbies and and uh, things that we do that you know uh, that we want to do to to try to help people so I appreciate your your focus and your your willingness to to uh, to motivate me to to keep doing these things well thank you. I don't know what to say I to think, that. Uh, that that's, well, you don't have to say anything. I, I'm Remember, glad we I'm can keep, validate you. Well, I'm thankful for the fact that we, <laughs> right? I'm thankful for the fact that we have the uh, ability to, we have the equipment, the availability, you know, to to be able to get on and keep putting out this content. I, I'm really excited about the content we're going to give um, people today. So, and yeah, I, I think I think it, it, it's very relevant. Oh, no for, doubt for the situation that we're in. Absolutely, so, uh, we can definitely use this to to impact people today, and you know, not just yeah. Uh, as we get, you know, uh, challenge when we get today. back to sports, but, yeah. you know, right now in the situation that we're in. So mm-hmm. we have a, we have a special guest for you today, folks. Uh, uh, our guest today is a, is a strength and agility trainer in, in southeastern Ohio, northwestern West Virginia. Uh, he obtained his master's degree in, in exercise science from Marshall University, where he also served as a biomechanics graduate assistant. And he's held internships with Marshall, Villanova, and Akron Universities. And uh, in addition to that, he, he holds multiple United States Powerlifting Association records in West Virginia. And I want to I want to mm. mention that because I think they're phenomenal <laughs> in the in the weight class of 90 kilograms, which is 198 pounds. He, he holds the squat record at 512 pounds, as well as the bench press record at 347 pounds. Jeez. And in the yeah, and in the uh, 181 pound weight class, he holds the squat record of 518 pounds, and the deadlift record of 584 pounds. So very uh, very impressive numbers there for our for our guest today, our friend uh, Mr. Micaiah Branch. Micaiah, we we appreciate you joining us today, man. I appreciate you guys. Um... You're a little kind with the special guest uh, description, but I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, you're, you're definitely special, man. Well, I appreciate it. <clears throat> well, we know, you know, Makai, we know that you appreciate exercise and strength and agility training. And, you know, one of the things that the coach and I set out to do when we we started this podcast was help high school athletes understand uh, what they needed to do to prepare themselves for 
the ability or the opportunity to play a college sport. And I guess the first thing I want to talk to you about today is how important do you think consistent strength and agility training is for high school athletes who are aspiring to play a college sport? Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, obviously I'm going to say very important, um, because with strength and agility, you're, um, you're increasing muscle mass, you're increasing force production. Um, and so what, what I see, uh, sports as, as you go up in levels, it's kind of like a strainer. Okay. So it's like the reason, um, the NFL is the pinnacle of football is because as you go from middle school to high school, from high school to college, from college to the professional leagues, you're being strained out little by little by little. And so the competition is higher. So as you get to the next level, people are outputting more force or more powerful. They're jumping higher. They're running faster. Each level in sports is a strainer. Okay. So every level it's weeding out little by little or a lot, depending, you know, if you look at the numbers, um, so people are becoming faster, they're stronger, they're more powerful, they're running faster, jumping further. Mm. Um, and so lifting weights, uh, allows us to build more muscle fibers. So it decreases reaction times. So yeah, uh, proprioceptive training, knowing where your body is in space. So being able to make that, uh, decision without not having to consciously think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like what you're saying is, I mean, in my mind, well, really, I, I don't want to downplay skill or talent, natural ability, but as you, as you elevate in, in sports levels from high school to college to, you know, uh, different levels of professional sport, you have to be stronger and faster than what you were at the previous level. Otherwise it doesn't really matter what your, what your ability or skill is. Mm. It's the difference yeah, maker. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of my favorite authors that I have read um, in, in the area of strength and conditioning, which I'm sure I, I know because you're, Powerlifter, there's no doubt that you've that you've heard of him, uh, Mark Ripto, mm-hmm. who wrote uh, Starting Strength, and I don't know, it's about 20 years ago I, I picked up that book, and and I was just fascinated at the simplicity, his ability to explain everything, to explain all the lifts, the main you know the main priorities of of squatting, deadlifting, power clean, uh, overhead press, bench press, and uh, and rowing, and I just. I, I one of the things I love about him, I just I, I just poured myself into into everything I could find of, of Mark Ripto's stuff, and I found it fascinating the way he described exactly what 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 you were saying in terms of athleticism, power, and strength, and how we can't necessarily increase a person's athleticism. That that's something that God gives us. So you look out onto an open playground and you see the kids that are just gifted with athleticism and other ones who just are not. But he said, what happens is as we, as we grow older and as we, as we develop, one of the things that we have found is that what comes with athleticism is this thing called power. And, mm-hmm. and that's what you're seeing when you see a kid that can run fast or be explosive or lift a lot, you know, and throw rocks really hard and things like that. You're seeing that you're seeing their power. And so 
he said the reason why strength training is so vitally important is because that is the one way that we can increase a person's power. So we may not be able to add to their athleticism, but mm -hmm. if the building blocks of athleticism is power, we, mm -hmm. we know we can add to their power by making mm -hmm. them stronger. And so in, yeah. in, in essence, you, you, see, you are seeing someone appearing to becoming more athletic. They may not be getting more God-given gift of athleticism, but they look more athletic. They actually are more athletic because they've actually gotten stronger. And I, was, I just became a, a firm believer then of, okay, we got we to we gotta make it a priority then to make all of our athletes stronger if we want to get better. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, um, because power, I mean, it, power is, um, it involves a speed component and a strength component. So there's a, there's a curve to it. So if you think about it, um, athleticism, a lot of time is based on, you know, time yeah. and strength. So how fast can you do something? And, um, you know, how strong are you when you do it? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Go ahead, coach. I was just going to ask you another question. When you think about just athletes in general, you know, across the board, not necessarily uh, sports specific, you know, baseball player, softball player, football player. A lot of times when you get into schools, you, you get people and coaches kind of, you know, conflicting a little bit about, about what they believe their players should do based on the sport that they play. But just mm -hmm. thinking about athletes in general, is there a list of what you would say are must-do movements that, that every single – a swimmer, a golfer, a football player, a baseball player, a hockey player, every single person, a track athlete should incorporate into their workout program? What are, what are the main – what would you say are the main priorities in terms of movements and lifts? Okay, um, so I'm going to explain it like I – kind of how I program for athletes. Um, first, for power development, I think every athlete should learn how to broad jump and vertical jump mm. and so oh. from from there you can break it up because in in lifting everything is it revolves around um flexion and triple extension okay so triple extension of the ankles knees and the hips and so broad jumps and vertical jumps they both cover that and then from there you can take that into either a single leg broad jump single leg vertical jump you can add weights to it with dumbbells, um, barbells. Um, in terms of strength, because all that's going to develop power. Yeah. Um, in terms of and strength, a universal um, exercise would be anything that involves single leg. Um, because every, every single athlete, unless you're um, competitively fast walking, um, involves single legs so if like running for example you're in a single leg stance every millisecond um jumping i mean 90 percent of the time um someone goes up for a dunk or a layup yeah. you're jumping with a single leg um throwing a baseball you're pushing off of one leg and pivoting into the other um so any you know lunges uh bulgarian split squat single leg glute bridges. Um, so exercises that involve a single leg. And then from there, um, I mean, I have almost all my athletes squat and deadlift. It just depends on the variation. Yeah. And what a great answer. That's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> that is I'm, good stuff. If we have pauses, it's because I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, let's 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 um let's get a little bit more focused with that question then, Makai, because uh, for the most part, you know, Coach and I are baseball and softball people. <laughs> I th- you're a softball person, aren't you, Coach? Is it fair to say that? Who are you talking to? You. <laughs> you talking to me? You, you calling me a softball person? I'm just asking you if you are. I'm wondering if that's a fair classification. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've been. I mean, okay. I, I've been strength training our softball team for the past two years, and then working working with them as an assistant coach. So yeah, they would okay. consider me All a right. softball person. Okay, good. I don't know as much I, I, about I softball, but I I mean I'm I'm more of a baseball person, but in terms of my knowledge of the game, but but yeah, I'll, I'll take that. All right, good. Classification. Well, I just I I wanted to make sure I wasn't crossing a line there or anything. No, you're not. <laughs> but it, 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 Makai, in, in, in regards to baseball and softball players specifically, what movements would you, if you were if you were coming up with a training program for uh, you know baseball or softball player, what movements would you incorporate into their workout program? So uh, I'll just explain. My mind is always thinking in terms of how I program, um, you know, day to day. So I program upper body and lower body, um, and so for upper body. Um, always for both workouts or however many workouts, um, an athlete is, uh, coming to me for, um, we always do some kind of power development. Um, and so just taking it back to the answer before I'll do things such as, you know, dumbbell vertical jumps. Um, and there's a thousand different variations that I can do with that. So I could do a single leg dumbbell lateral jump. Um, and that's going to mimic, um, without getting too insane about how, how sports specific it is, um, that's going to be fairly close to what a, a person's going to be doing when they're throwing a baseball or a softball. Um, like yesterday I was having people do dumbbell rotational lateral jumps. So as they jumped, it's a vertical jump, but they're also pushing laterally. So they're turning 90 degrees. Um, and that just mimics, you know, your foot and your hip rotating as you throw a baseball or softball, um, in terms of a strength movement, um, I like landmine presses. Um, Eric Cressy, um, has, mm, yeah. um, good information on why he does landmine presses. Um, I'll, I'll have them do bench press too. Um, but not as much. It's more like dumbbell floor press. Um, but in, I like the landmine press because it, it allows the scapula to move rather than being in a fixed position. Um, what's a landmine press look like if you were to explain it to somebody who's listening that, that, that can't picture it in their mind to, or to give them a picture in their mind, what it might look like, what would that movement look like? Um, so what you can do to set it up is you can take, um, a 45 pound plate, take your barbell, put one end in the center hole, Mm -hmm. and then it's kind of like a lever. So you're pressing it at, you know, roughly a 45 degree angle, depending on where you're standing, um, at a vertical or um, a diagonal plane of motion rather than, um, a vertical press or a uh, bench press. That's a horizontal pressing movement. So that that's an upper body, uh, strength movement I like to use, um, for lower body. Um, I mean, it, you know, it varies from sport to sport, but I train a lot of baseball and softball players and we, and we still squat and we deadlift and, and that's just for overall body strength. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so and then you know from there still doing barbell weighted jumps dumbbell weighted jumps we might do med ball throws like rotational throws for power so yeah, pretty much stuff some most of it let's say someone reaches out to you and they they uh, want to have their child start lifting not body weights just they want their child like their young child to start lifting are there um any uh requirements that you would have that maybe would prevent you from working with a a child for example is there an age that that you would prefer not to to see a kid train with weights um if there is i haven't have not uh encountered it yet um i everything's relative um Mm. so if if i just take it back to basic movements a lunge um you know a a shoulder press a front raise with a dumbbell when they're that young any stimulus you give them they're going to respond to so i can make a kid do 12 reps 15 reps of something with a super light weight and they might not even be super fatigued at the end of the set or even at the end of the workout but because they're doing things they're not used to the body's going to respond to that um so i mean i can take a five or six year old and have them use a five pound dumbbell and make that dumbbell i could use it for 20 different exercises i could have them lunge with it i could have them do curls with it um when they're that young you don't they don't have to be doing like they don't need to be dumbbell jumping and doing these spinning while they're jumping you know what i mean right um so i basically when a kid's that young i do more of a bodybuilding approach um high reps um maybe just watching them to see how they uh respond after each set if they're super gassed i'm not gonna say okay 30 seconds later set two i'm gonna give them a minute let them recover and then we'll do set two we'll go from there um with each kid, I always started at basic level and I teach them how to broad jump and vertical jump. Mm-hmm. And we might do that for weeks um, until they are doing it perfect. And sometimes I'll just say as the warm up, okay, give me three broad jumps and I'll just watch them. And if they're really sloppy with it, I'll talk to them about it and I'll say, okay, hey, we've been doing this for five weeks now. This is a warm up. Okay. And I'm not having them jump as far as they can. I'm having them maybe jump at 50%, 60%. And I explained to them, I'm saying, this is a warm up. So every rep should be perfect. Mm. And it shouldn't be you falling onto your toes or you, you know, falling on your butt. And from there, we just, you know, every kid's going to develop differently. And so I play it by ear as the kid develops. That's great. Hey, you, you said something there, Micaiah, that made me think of something. It's a question that it's a question that I have and that I've tried to research, but I haven't really been able to get a good answer for it. Maybe, maybe you might have some insight. And you, you said that you, when you, when you're dealing with a younger kid, that you, you approach it like a, a bodybuilding approach. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you, you talked about using high reps. Can you, is there a different, like, what is the difference between doing high reps and low weight and you know heavy weight and low reps 
is there a threshold that you can get to? I guess the, the first question is, what is the difference? And the second question is, could, you know, if, I don't know, in an example, if you're, if you're, you know, squatting 300 pounds five times, could you squat a hundred pounds, 30 times and get the same, mm. um, you know, production? Okay. So, um, there, there are two different curves. Um, one is a percentage curve. So if we look at our absolute max, our one rep max, the reason it's our one rep max is because that's all we can do for one rep. Um, and then there have been multitudes of studies conducted on this. Certain percentages should line up to roughly so many reps. Okay. So off the top of my head, um, like I know 95% is something you could do for roughly two times. 90% is something you could do for f- roughly four, 85% six, 80% roughly eight and so on and so on. Um, and then the other one is the speed strength curve, which I think we talked a little bit about earlier as you approach your one rep max, it's going to be slower because it's your mm. absolute max weight as the weight decreases, the speed should increase. So, um, it's roughly 50 or 60% of your one rep max is where your peak power production is going to be. Um, and it's, it's a very complicated answer that I'm trying to condense into a very short answer. Um, (laughs) but in terms of bodybuilding versus strength training, strength training is going to affect you more neurologically. Um, and it's going to use your creatine phosphate system. And so it's very anaerobic in the sense that you're not going to use very much oxygen to recover. Um, whereas bodybuilding, there's, it's more of a glycotic system, which um, hopefully most of the listeners have taken uh, some kind of biology class or otherwise <laughs> they won't understand it too much. Um but it's going to affect you more muscularly. Um, so any, they say anywhere between eight and 12 reps, six to 15, somewhere in that range, those are more bodybuilding and that's going to affect you more muscularly mechanically, um, because it's causing those fibers to contract over and over again. And so that's how we build more muscle. Um, a lot of people think that during in season training, if their kid isn't sore and tired, then they're not working out hard enough. But I have plenty of kids that are getting stronger Mm. training in season because we just limit how many reps overall they're doing. Um, And so we're hitting them neurologically. And so they're not getting sore most of the time, sore and too fatigued um, so that they can still perform at a high level in their competitions. Man, that's excellent. Yeah. I have to the question. You did. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to stay on that question for a second. So a kid walks into a gym, he walks into a rec center, a community center, and he sees all these guys, they walk into planet fitness and he sees these guys with, um, with the big bulging chest and the big biceps. And, and this kid is a, uh, an athlete at his high school and he wants to get strong and he looks and he sees one of these guys that looks like a bodybuilder. And he assumes that what he's doing is what was what he should do as well to get strong and get himself prepared for his upcoming basketball season. 
And so what he sees that bodybuilder doing is is uh, maybe laying down on the bench press and cranking out five sets of 15 reps, nice and slow, contracting it and making you know making sure that he's sending every every ounce of of what his brain can think about to those pectoral muscles. And that kid thinks to himself, okay, in order for me to to really get strong, I got to do 15 reps also. And I think that's maybe, Pat, is that, is that one of the things that you're saying? There's so much confusion out there about what you should do based on what your goals are. And you're saying that, I think you're saying strength training is not what you see a bodybuilder doing. What we should be, the way we should be training our athletes is not what you see a guy doing in that scenario, for example. Yeah, so more than likely, if <laughs> a kid is training bodybuilding style, they're probably getting slower and that might not man be that's a great that's a great point i want to highlight that micaiah just said that if a kid is training bodybuilder style you're getting slower most likely mm. more than likely and more that's the likely. opposite of what you want to achieve in strength training yeah i won't say a hundred percent of the time the kid's getting slower because right there are some freak athletes out there that no matter what you throw at them they're going to just be freak athletes. But again, you're pointing back to that natural athleticism, those kids who yeah. have that, those freak athletic bodies, yeah. and that's not the majority of people. The majority of people yeah. on our high school teams are not that kid. Yeah, and so don't get me wrong. Like You want to incorporate some um, hypertrophy bodybuilding into the grand scheme of working out because here's – Here's the example. Um, I'll give you two. One is a collegiate football training system. Okay. These kids, they're all they play is football. So in the beginning of the year long worth of training, the first few months, they're going to be doing some higher end volume workouts because they're, they're resetting after the bowl season and they're trying to get their athletes to one, have a higher conditioning level for lifting weights and two, they're trying to build some some extra muscle mass. Um, and then as they transition into the summer, they're going to start incorporating more, more lower volume, high strength um, level workouts. So like squats, 88, 90, 92%. Um, and then as they start transitioning into the competitive season, like camp season when they're go when they just started up camp and they're getting ready for the season they'll start transitioning into power and trying to they're going to lower the overall percentages they'll keep the reps low but increase their power production mm. for a high school athlete that is not going to be ideal because most most athletes are either playing two or three sports yep. or they're playing um softball or baseball eight months out of the year stopping for maybe a basketball season and then they're going back into soft softball or baseball again um and so for me that's not ideal i can't yeah, there's can't never an off season for those kids right there's never yeah season so for instance i had a girl she she just finished this is a month or two ago she just finished um basketball season so i'm telling you I, that that next workout that we had i destroyed her <laughs> because it's my only chance to get this hypertrophy in well two days later i had her dad texting me he's like hey why is my uh, daughter pitching with shredded legs and so in my head i didn't know if he meant muscular shredded 
or just like <laughs> wrecked your legs. Yeah. And I wrecked your legs. And so I explained to him like, Hey, this is my only chance to change, to change the stimulus for a little bit. Try to now a month, a month of off season training is not going to add a whole lot, but it's different. And it, it may add a little bit. Um, but even during that time, my main lifts, like my squat, my deadlift, were not going above three reps because I still want her to be maximally ish strong. So even during that time, we're still trying to get stronger. We're just adding volume in terms of Bulgarian split squats, lunges, mm-hmm. um, lunge variations, maybe upping the jumps and the power exercises by a couple reps. So yeah. that's great. Sorry, <laughs> it's a lot of information there. I think what I would say is, you know, even me, and I've—I mean, I'm not a—you um, know—I don't—I don't know a lot about strength training by any means. I'm—I'm—I believe in it, and I'm supportive of it, and you know, I've put some time into into researching it. But I'm still just when you know when you're when you're talking there, it's just my mind's just going 100 miles per hour trying to keep up <laughs> with what you're saying. And I, I feel like a lot of people out there listening might be scared right now of you know, hey, man, this is this is tough. This is complex. And what I would say to that is, yeah, I mean, it, it is, and it, it, but it's important, and it's it's as a, it's as complex as as any skill that you practice in a given sport. And, you know, we have people out there that spend so much time researching and studying and practicing and getting better at instructing, you know, kids and athletes on skill development in baseball and basketball and and football. We need to spend that time and money strength and agility development. Yes. And money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, we've people spend hundreds of dollars. Like, you know, for example, the guy that you maybe just mentioned, I don't know. We don't, need to mention names, but sure they spend a lot of lot of money sending their daughter to hitting instructors, pitching instructors, things like that. Listen, there's a reason why guys like Micaiah are out there. There's a reason why like my my son is is studying exercise physiology right now. He's a he's a junior in college at Alderson Broadus University. There's a reason why people are going into this field. It's because we realize athletes need this training, I would say, more than they need mm. a hitting instructor, more than they need a pitching instructor. They need to learn how to yeah. get strong. And that's the reason why, look, Pat, you say it's complex. Yeah, it's complex. And that's why, folks, you need a guy like Micaiah. You got to go out and find him. You got to hire him. You got to say, hey, work with my kids. I appreciate it. You bet. Um, well, so I have I have three thoughts. The first thought is the the dad that texted me, he was okay with it. Once I explained to him the reasoning, um, Absolutely. He, he's all about me letting me do what I think is best. Um, the second thought is I had a, had a professor when I was studying exercise science and he had a point that has stuck with me for the last four years. And it's, it's why you, um, why you have different doctors. It's why you have a heart spe- specialist, a kidney specialist, Um, you know, I could go on and on. There's so much information in the strength world. You can't be, let's say for instance, a dedicated doctor or a dedicated teacher or dedicated whatever, and be able to put the necessary time into studying strength and conditioning and being good at it. Mm. That's why, that's why I tell people you come to me is because I've, 
I've put all my resources into learning this one specialty. Um, and then just going back to the, you know, why kids need strength training over, um, you know, maybe hitting lessons or pitching lessons because if you buy a Corvette and you don't give it gas, the Corvette's got the ability, but it, it can't go anywhere. So if you can hit a ball, but you can only hit it in field, you don't have the gas to get it out of the infield. So that's why you come to me because I'm giving you the gas that is to a, drive your bet. That's an outstanding metaphor. Absolutely. And we're done. We, we, we've, we've accomplished what we wanted to accomplish today. I think we can call our quits. No, man, we've got this coronavirus thing that we're dealing with. People, people got to figure out what to keep, what they can do. I, I, I've seen on your social media, by the way, Micaiah is really active on uh, Facebook and you've been posting things for people to do uh, as just a means for you to reach out and serve. I mean, this is all free that you're putting out here on Facebook. Um, you said, you know, on a few days ago, you've been asking yourself what you could do to help make a difference and, and you may not be a great motivational speaker, but you, but you, but you uh, have this gift that you've been given and this, this, you're, you're a professional at, at this. I mean, this is actually your career. And uh, so you've been putting out workouts, strength and conditioning workouts for people to do at home. One of the questions that keeps swirling around in my mind, and I don't, I, I don't know the answer to it, and I'm glad that we have you on today because uh, I'm sure that it's something that my athletes that I coach uh, are thinking about, and I know that's something that a lot of athletes out there are probably thinking about right now, and that is this. They've been pretty consistent and passionate about getting in the weight room at least three times a week ever since last, well, when the fall off season began for us, it was October 1st. All of a sudden now they're confined to their home. Many of these people don't have a gym at their house. All they have maybe is a treadmill and no dumbbells, no barbells, no squat rack, nothing. My question is, for someone who has been in a gym building strength consistently and they're committed to that and they want to continue building strength during this COVID-19 pandemic where we are all quarantined to our own homes without any of that equipment, is it even possible for these athletes to continue to build strength without those same resources? And if it is possible, what do they do? What do you recommend? Um, and if so, it's not possible, how do you encourage them? How do you console them? <laughs> so. Um, so you have the body responds to a stimulus. So if you go and run a mile and you're out of breath and you ran it in seven minutes or eight minutes or six minutes, what, whatever, your body is going to do what it needs to do, you know, increase, increase cardiac output, et cetera, et cetera, to become better at running. So the next time you incur or um, interact or, you know, uh, that stimulus comes, your body's going to be more prepared for it. So when it comes to strength training, it depends on what you're weak at. So for instance, I'm training people over FaceTime right now, um, which is not ideal, but I've made it work and I'm focusing on things that I normally don't get 
get around to, or at least not enough. So I'm thinking of like little exercises to increase core stability. So um, one thing I do, and this is, you know, age old exercises, side plank. Um, but mm. I do a side plank different than probably most people do a side plank. And I got this from Dr. Stuart McGill, which is a, um, a spine specialist. And I'll do um, side planks for, for 10 seconds, rest for five, and do it, you know, for three, four, five, six rounds in a row, and then switch sides. And the reason I'll do something like that is because for an athlete, you don't need stability in a side plank for a minute long. Like your body is not, especially in baseball, it's, or and softball, it's a quick move, uh, quick, um, either hit, throw, whatever that you need stability for an instance. Um, so that's why we do it for short periods, but then we do it over and over again. But you still get a little bit of the, um, constant endurance or repetitive endurance portion. So we'll do things like that. Um, if they have dumbbells, I'll do exercises that are not the same, um, like different shoulder variations, uh, pressing. But one thing I've done is, <clears throat> for instance, I have a 11 year old girl. She has one dumbbell in her house. So what we did is we did a goblet squat where we held in the bottom position for three seconds. So it's challenging your core stability and your hip stability. And then I'll have her curl it down and up and then stand up. Mm. And so the curling is going to challenge her upper back more because in her lower back, because it's going to challenge her to stay stable through that curling motion. So there are ways to get stronger, but it's not going to be maximal strength stronger. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And if you want to get maximal strength stronger, go find a rock <laughs> there you you've go. never picked up before and and pick it up. I mean, that's, that's just strong man. Do right it the there. way they used to do it back in the, uh, ancient of days. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, even still, I mean, they still in, in the, like the Arnold Strongman, yeah. um, they had multiple, um, events where you're picking up stones and pressing them overhead or picking up stones and setting them on something. So, um, I mean, that's very, it sounds barbaric. It's primitive. <laughs> If you really want to get stronger in ways you've never been challenged before, I mean, that's going to challenge your, your upper back, your hips, your core. Um, it's a, it's a full body exercise. And then if you want a power exercise, other than just jumping in place, pick up a smaller stone and throw it. Hmm. And then go get it I mean, and throw it back. It really does. It sounds ridiculous, but I mean, if you don't have equipment, and you want to get stronger? That those are those are ways. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Um, Absolutely. I have a friend whose son is picking up um, weights for tractor supplies in their in their barn. So that's you know, and they're pressing them and and just getting very basic. But weight, your body does, all it knows is weight is weight. If you pick up weight, your body's mm -hmm. going to recognize that it's a weight. Yeah. There are ways to make it happen. You just got to figure it out. You got to get creative. Go jack up your car and take the tire off of it. Press it a little bit. Yeah. Find some ways. What would you say to somebody that has started weightlifting or, you know, strength training over the last, you know, maybe they started in last winter and they, they've really, uh, 
they've really grown and they've really done well lifting weights. And now, you know, they're going to be going through a period of time where maybe they're not, not able to do as much as what they did. And, you know, when they finally get back to the weight room here, hopefully sooner than later, <laughs> um, they're not nearly as strong as what they expect to be. And, it, you know, obviously that's going to be discouraging for them. You know, how would you, as a, as a trainer, you know, you might, you might experience that yourself as, you know, people come back to you, you know, once the pandemic clears up a little bit and, uh, they may not be able to do the same type of things that they were able to do before. How do you handle something like that? Um, I just explain to people that if your body's not using it, it's going to lose at least some of it. So if you can get in the weight room one time a week or, you know, twice a week, it's better than zero times. And so like, I'll explain to a kid, if they want to take off, you know, for basketball season, because that's their primary sport. And then they're, they'll come back when baseball season starts. I'll look at it as, okay, you're working out two times a week right now. And you're going to be gone for three months. Let's say, let's just say 12 weeks. That's 24 workouts that you missed. So as much as you can get in the weight room or, you know, during this time, as much as you can train things that you're not used to training and maintain strength in those areas, you'll maintain your overall strength. So even if it's one time a week and it's a full body exercise, that's, that's, that's better than, than not getting anything in at all. Yeah, but it, yeah. it's got to be though it's got to be um oh what's the word um, intentional so you can't you can't get go to the weight room and just expect while well, i'm here i'm going to maintain this if if squat is your goal for that day you you still need to hit 80 to 90 percent ish of a squat if you're only working out one day a week that's very very basic and it, of an explanation, but it holds true to the point. Sure. Outstanding. That, I think what we've talked about today is going to be relevant for a while. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, obviously going to be relevant for a long time, but it's but particularly right now when people are really, they, you know, they're really excited about the work they've been doing. And then now they've gotten to a place where maybe they're not able to do as much. And, you know, to, to hear, you explain, Micaiah, you know, that there are, there are, there are ways. It's just a matter of getting creative and being intentional about it. And, and if you, uh, if you can't necessarily find a way because you don't have the resources at your own home, then, uh, do what the Navy SEALs say and make a way. If you can't you know, either uh, find a way or make a way. So. Good stuff. Do you, uh, you have anything you would like to add, Micaiah, to everyone listening out there that we maybe not covered? Oh man, uh, you guys have uh, asked me these questions. I've been going on tangents for so long. I don't think I'm capable of thinking about what I did and did not miss. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell, why don't you tell everybody how they can get in touch with you? Um, you know, what, yeah. what's your you know, favorite social media? If you want to give your email address or anything else, by all means, we want to we want to promote you here uh, to the four or five listeners that we have on our podcast. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure there's more than four or five. I, I mean, I'm one of them, so I guess I'll take excellent take advice. Um, if you want to look up stuff for kids, 
uh, like how I'm training them, you know, the workouts that I've been posting, I call them a, K- a QWAD, so quarantine workout a day. If you want to find <laughs> that stuff, um, it's just Micaiah Branch Strength and Conditioning. Um, Micaiah is spelled M-I-C-A-I-A-H for the people that are wondering. Um, and then if you just want to see me list stuff, uh, that's Instagram at Coach Mick underscore um, M-I-C. My uh, my wife likes to get onto me for posting weightlifting stuff all the time, but uh, that's like hey. I mean, that's, that's what I it's what I do. Uh, yeah, right. Ninety percent of the time, I'm either training somebody or training myself. So uh, that's that's what that can. Those two areas consist of all the weightlifting stuff I do, and occasionally I'll post a picture of a cat and and my wife and. Uh, so. <laughs> you got to keep both of those happy. You got to stay oh, balanced. Yeah. That's right. Oh, very much. Hey, we'll make sure we put all this information in the show notes as well, so that if people weren't able to get that. Uh, if you just look in the underneath the title and the and look in the, the the show notes, we'll we'll make sure we have all your info in there. So, well, I do. I have one question to Pat. How were you pronouncing my name when you messaged me earlier? Because that. I asked my wife when I sent you back how I would uh, try to relay to somebody how to say it. Um, she said, yes, that was about right. But I was curious what you were saying in your head. Uh, Makai. <laughs> yeah, one more, one more syllable in there. Uh, That's just the Megs my, County coming out at him. Now, yeah. Hey, listen here <laughs> there, Coach. I have always referred to him as Micaiah. <laughs> okay. Someone else that I talked to called, referred to him as Makai, and then I thought, oh, man, I, now I don't know how to pronounce his name. So I, um, I have a funny story. I had a uh, one of the teachers I was a graduate assistant for, I taught the lab class for him. And so occasionally he would come in and we would do things together. But, you know, I told him my name was Micaiah, and he didn't come in to the lab for the first time until like week three, maybe. And he called me Micah and I never corrected him because I was, I was thinking we're three weeks in, we're at a point of no return. He's just going to have to think my name's Micah for the next two years. And so that's, <laughs> that's what happened. Actually, I have, I've actually heard some people refer to call you Micah as well. Yeah. Um, I, it depends on how much I interact with them. Um, and if I'm going to interact with them a lot, I might correct them. Otherwise I'll just think my name is Micah. Hey, uh, my, my dad's name is Mike. And for years he, he went to church with a guy who thought his name was Bruce. And I don't know how you get those two <laughs> names mixed up, but my dad never corrected him. So for about 30 years, as long as until this guy died, he called my dad Bruce. And I said, well, dad, why don't you ever correct him? Tell him your name's Mike. Hey, <laughs> so Micaiah, we have a question that we ask uh, all of our all of our guests. At least we have so far, and we want to ask you if you could give us one, or if you have multiple, but at least one favorite memory from your days um, of playing youth sports. I just realized that on the. Uh, on the uh, on the script here that I set, it says favorite memory from your days of playing youth baseball. That's not what it was supposed to read. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> just yeah, it's funny because you did you sent that, and I was like, man, I, baseball. I, I mean, I played baseball, but uh, it was not my primary sport. So I was thinking, 
I was racking my brain for a baseball <laughs> memory. And I mean, I, I played up until eighth grade. So, I mean, I have some, but um, the primary one, and this doesn't even like have to do with being on the field was I think I was in third grade and we played, we were the Mason Bulldogs and we were a horrible team. Um, we did not win a game all season until the very last game. And do you guys, you know how Middleport baseball fields are constructed? Like one of them, there's a huge hill. And I can remember uh, my dad promising me if we won, we would, any game that we won, we would go out for ice cream. And I can remember that very last game, we were, we won and we were standing in a huddle. And I yelled up at my dad, I was like, hey, dad, we can finally go get ice cream. <laughs> and I mean, a yeah, hundred yards away, if that, maybe 70. And I'm yelling across the field up on this hill for everybody to hear that we finally won so we can get ice cream. And so, <laughs> That's what it's all about. That, yeah. And that it wasn't, you know, wasn't athletically related. But Never I, is. I, had, I had a couple funny moments kind of like that. Um, m- one of my favorite youth football memories was um, it was a game where we were tied with this team with like five seconds left. And I'm, this is in fifth grade. So you don't really throw the ball in fifth grade, at least not at that time. We threw a hail Mary to try to win this game, which is like in youth football is like 20 yards. And so we throw it, it gets picked off. And I'm just standing there because I thought, I literally thought our guy had caught the ball and we had just won the game until I saw him get about 30 yards in the opposite direction. And I realized that's not my teammate <laughs> from the opposite side of the field. I took off and, um, I, I think I tackled him maybe on the five yard line. Like he was just about to score. And so after the game, my dad was, you know, saying, you know, what in the world were you thinking? And I told him, I was like, I thought our own guy caught it. And then I, you know, proceeded to tell him cause I, I'm confident now, but I was even cockier kid when I was that age. And I was like, yeah, but I knew I could catch him. <laughs> so, yeah, that, those, those are probably my primary youth competitive sports memories. That's, that's awesome. Good deal. Everybody we have on to answer that question usually has a story that it, you said something a minute ago that just stuck with me. You said it's not athletic related at all. A lot of the stories that we have that are memories from our youth sports days actually are not related to the, to actually play in the game. It has something to do with, with, uh, you know, like the moment you had there with your dad and shouting across the field and things like that. So that's, that's probably because most of the stuff that we learn when we play sports aren't really lessons that help us in that sport more so than they help us in life. life. Yeah. (laughs) That's the truth. That's why they're so great. No doubt. Well, hey, Makai, it's been great having you on. We really appreciate having you taking time out of your day to, to meet with us. And uh, I hope everyone out there enjoyed the conversation that we had today. And um, if, if you're out there and you're, you're sitting around and you're, you're wondering, you know, how you can respond to this to this event of the COVID-19 pandemic, I hope that uh, you can use uh, our conversation today with Makaya to uh 
to motivate you and, and to put you in a direction that uh, you're ready to go onto the field or the court or whatever it is when, when you finally get the opportunity to do that again. Coach, good talking to you. I appreciate you guys. It was really great talking to you, Makai. Thanks a bunch. Uh, thank you, guys.